Remember, this show is PG-13, so you might hear a naughty word or two. This episode is sponsored by Simple Contacts. Get $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com forward slash gymcastic or enter gymcastic at checkout. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit hellofresh.com and enter promo code gymcastic30. Today, the gymternet is pure pitchforks and rage, as we learn that Simone Biles is also a Nasser survivor. EB is ranked number one in the all-around, Oklahoma is first, and we have the Web of Stupid Awards, because that's how we're dealing with our rage today. This is episode 287 for January 18th, 2018. Welcome to the number one gymnastics podcast in the galaxy. I'm Jessica, and here with Spencer from the Balance Beam Situation. Go to thebalancebeamsituation.com for all of your NCAA and general laughter needs through the horrors that we are enduring uh, vicariously through all of the horrible news, which we're going to talk about today. Spencer provides comedic relief. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about first what's happening with Simone, Maggie Nichols, uh, and everything with USAG in the last week because everything's coming out. Um, so trigger warning, we're going to discuss this for like the next 20 minutes. We're not going to go into any details about what um, Nasser did, but we are going to talk about it. Also, uh, make sure to watch ESPN's Outside the Lines on Tuesday. They came out with a one-hour documentary that they've been working on for the last two years. So um, I would definitely uh, check that out if you haven't watched it yet. It aired on Tuesday. Okay. So we record on Mondays, and this afternoon, Simone came out with a statement on Twitter, her own Me Too statement. So she said, I'm not afraid to tell my story anymore. I won't let one man and the others who enable him steal my love and joy. And as we've said before, those who were not abused are the exception, which is how I feel. Like, I feel like um, everyone in the last several Olympics team was abused. And here it is. What do you think, Spencer? Yeah, I one thing I wanted to pull out of Simone's statement, and I think it's gotten a lot of attention is one of the things she says is, it breaks my heart even more to think that as I work toward my dream of competing in Tokyo 2020, I will have to continually return to the same training facility where I was abused. And that is something we've talked a little bit about, but I don't think we've talked a ton about. We've talked a ton about how the ranch was horrible, and it shouldn't be the national team training facility, but we haven't talked about how awful that is to make people who were abused there go back there every month to train. And it really reinforces that this has to change. There are many, many reasons why the ranch should not be the national team training facility, but this is the top of the list. And I understand that that's not a change they can make really quickly or right away. It takes time to create a new training center location and have everything there that you can't just pick up and say, okay, we're moving the national, we're moving the camps tomorrow. But at the same time, if USA Gymnastics is actually committed to putting the safety of athletes first and applauding their bravery and we stand behind blah, 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 you know, all the statements that we get, they would not force survivors of abuse to return to the scene of the crime again and again. But the other thing that I, that got me about Simone saying this was she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. She could refuse to go back to the ranch. Yep. She could get all her skills back, get all her difficulty back, 
be like, hey, now let's talk. I'm here. I have my routines back. I can be world champion this year, but I'm not going to go to that place, which she is well within her rights and perfectly reasonable, perfectly reasonable thing to say that I'm not going to go back there. So deal with it. Imagine how quickly suddenly we'd have a new training facility. If I mean, that's the thing. Like yep. if Simone said I'm not going there, oh, it would happen so much quicker than it would happen otherwise because she has all the power in this situation. Yep. And the athletes have always had all the power. And I don't feel like they understood that before, but now I feel like they are getting it like deep in their souls. And I feel like we started to see this this year at nationals where there was just something different about like the USAG wasn't running any of the meet and greets with the final five team, which normally they do. And there wasn't any of that. And I was like, what's that's different. But I, you know, I don't know. It was just something different. And this, I feel like this is the core. Like, they're like, F you, you don't own us. And we have a really good reason to want to be apart from you. Mm-hmm. But it's still interesting to me that how much, and when we talk about USA Gymnastics needing to make tangible changes and also needing a change of culture, that's the har- I think that's the hardest part because it's not something tangible that you can fix. It's just attitudes and approaches and things that have been ingrained over decades that people don't even know that they're doing, but it permeates everything. Even Simone saying uh, not wanting to go, you know, having to return to the same training facility, it's that still being subject to what U.S. still thinking that you're subject to what USA Gymnastics tells you to do or wants you to do or quote unquote forces you to do. Like Simone does not have to do anything she doesn't want to do. USA Gymnastics has no power over her. But that culture of powerlessness that they cultivated through all of this, mm-hmm. through every word of even the thing I was thinking about today was all of that. You're so lucky to be chosen to go to the ranch. Yep. You should be so honored to represent Team USA, like that's the the thing I've always made fun of. No one can say anything about the word honored when they talk about, you know, being on the world championships team, but it becomes, that's just, you know, I laugh about it, but then it becomes a real problem when it's, you're so honored to see Dr. Larry Nassar to treat you. Right. You're so lucky. And we, how many times, how many victim statements have we seen? Have we heard that, that they were told you're so lucky that this prestigious doctor would see you. And then you see why that you are lucky to be that I deign to see you, I am in charge and you are my underling culture becomes a a problem. And that's the kind of thing that needs to change. And I still, I feel like the athletes are getting there and I don't think they have fully grasped their own awesomeness in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a process, but like they're getting there, but it's like, you are in charge. You decide how this plays out. You have the power to do that. And it's unfortunate that it takes fame and accomplishment to do that. It shouldn't. It should, shouldn't matter whether you're Simone and you've won a billion medals or not, but it does. And Simone has that extra power. And I don't know if she feels, you know, comfortable or wants to be that kind of leader. Not That's not the role for everyone. She may not be at that place or may not want to at all. And that's fine, too. But she has the opportunity to do that. She totally does. And more to your point about I should be honored and I'm so lucky to go to the ranch and blah, 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 and where the athletes have all the power. Like, think about what Amy said about how, um, you know, she thought she 
got invited to the ranch. Simone got invited to the ranch. They went to the ranch. She had a horrible experience. Marta was horrible to her. And they got invited again. And Amy said no, because she was like, I'm not going to let my athlete be talked to like that. And if we, if Simone had gone back, she thinks that Simone would have quit. And they were retaliated against for that. They weren't invited again for a full year. Like, retaliation is a real thing. That's and maybe it's nothing like that anymore because this has always happened. By the time people speak out, uh, you know, then th- they've moved on and hired someone else, and they're always saying it's in the past. But I, that is the facts of what happened at the time. So like that whole, you're honored and you should just go and do what people tell you. Like there was real retaliation against people when they didn't follow the rules, and now like the power has totally got to shift, no matter what. Like, yeah, so. Ali and Simone manifesto is going to be very important. Yeah, I want them. To, I want them to write a manifesto together, and they we will help. We're very experienced at writing manifestos if they want us to. Um, yeah, I think Simone needs to get all her skills back, half her six eight difficulty score on every single event, like she's probably going to, and then be like, okay, here are my demands. Ali and I wrote the, the vindication of the rights of gymnasts, <laughs> and this is what we want. And then if you want this. You got to do this. Yes, exactly. If you want me, then you've got to. So to your point about that, um, it was suggested today on Twitter that all the athletes boycott nationals. So and, you know, I'm all for grandstanding moments like this. I'm all for everyone standing up and turning their back on Paul Perilla, wherever he is. Like I'm all for, you know, big moments like you would see in a TV movie on Lifetime. Those are my kind of things. Um, but we have a fantastic... Um, more to this like athlete power thing I want to talk about. We have a great listener who did a little research for us. And so, you know, I've, I've wanted a union, the athletes in a union. Well, they can't unionize because they're not actually employees. Plus the Trump administration, the NLRB under Trump probably will not make any exceptions for this kind of thing. But, um, what they can do is the final five and their parents and coaches and gym owners uh, can band together and start an athlete parent association. And they can write this into the settlement agreement with USA Gymnastics because there will be a settlement agreement. This will never, they're never going to let this go to an actual decision. Um, and it can be in the settlement agreement that USA Gymnastics is going to pay for this athlete parent association and they're going to pay for full-time employees who act as, act as watchdogs and negotiate for the, you know, athlete rights and parents parent rights like we get to see you at the hotel uh you cannot say that if a parent comes to see their the human being they made um and brought into this world then that kid is off the olympic team because that's outrageous um so that person can act just like a union rep and that's something that they can make usag pay for also amy borman retweeted um a tweet from jordan's left eyebrow (laughs) who's um one of the uh, Anyway, Jordan's left eyebrow. We like her. So, um, quote, we can we just start a hashtag shut down the ranch thing? It's inhumane to have sexual assault victims return to the scene of the crime over and over, not to mention it would probably be unsafe for a victim with PTSD. So Amy Borman retweeted that. So I feel strongly that that's a great idea. Secondly, um, the thing about PTSD is not a joke. Like, it sounds kind of funny, but it's real. I mean, we know from Maddie Larson's statements, also a, a NASA survivor, that she started to have panic attacks every time she went into the gym at UCLA. And I know another athlete who also started to have panic attacks that got stronger and stronger as they got closer to the ranch. And that person wasn't even a survivor of Nasser. That was just from going through the system. 
So um, that's how stressful and crazy this whole system is. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk through, maybe, because that's what we do here, right? We can Feelings. start a sentence mm-hmm. and see if what happens at the end of it. But one of the one of the first things as we learn, you know, more and more survivors and more and more survivors and all of this stuff at the ranch is that instinctive thought of how could you not know? And about everyone there at the ranch, all of the adults in any role, if you were at the ranch, is that fair of me to sort of put that blanket question or almost blanket blame of how could you not know on everyone? Because at one at some degree, that's what I think. But then at the same time, I think, Spencer, you're the one who thought Larry Nasser was so great for the, so many years. I mean, I didn't know him, but I heard him and I was like, he's really one of the good ones. And you're the one who has said the sentence, who at one point said the sentence, you know, why don't more elites train with Marvin Sharp? Like, I don't have a great... <laughs> sense of these things apparently i have terrible judgment about these things so that seems hypocritical of me to ask that or whether it's just you know that's really not where the blame should be directed of all the people who deserve blame i don't know what my question is here exactly but these are the things that i'm thinking about whether it's fair to ask of everyone at the ranch or hold everyone at the ranch responsible i mean i think the first thing is like all the adults there if they have a soul that's what they're asking themselves and they're going to be beating themselves up and they're going to feel super guilty and they're going to be, they're just going to feel guilty. That's just what's going to happen. They're already asking themselves this question. If you're the, you know, there are certain people that were specifically told and those people need to be held accountable. And then the whole culture is also the problem. The culture that said, of course I wasn't, you know, there, I didn't think there was anything wrong about blah, blah, blah. And I wouldn't say it and admit it to myself because it was an honor to be there, that whole culture. So that's sort of my answer to that mm-hmm. question. Yeah, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so last week we talked about this and, you know, more has come out about it. So Maggie Nichols is athlete A. So she is the one who originally uh, her coach um, overheard her talking to another athlete um, at the ranch. The coach then... And this was in, um, so Sports Illustrated, so this means that she was the original whistleblower on USA Gymnastics and Nasser. Um, So, well, not on USA Gymnastics, but on Nasser. So um, Sports Illustrated said, according to court filings and interviews, it was Nichols and her coach, Sarah Yancey, who reported Nasser to USA Gymnastics officials on June 17th, 2015, after a coach who overheard Maggie and other gymnasts talking to Nasser about Nasser's behavior. Maggie showed Yancey the Facebook messages and told her about the treatment she had received from Nasser, Yancey re- reported her concerns to USA Gymnastics Women's Program Director Rhonda Fain and to Maggie's mother, Gina. So, and then according to, so Maggie is suing, and according to the complaint, USA Gymnastics CEO Steve Penny, quote, discouraged Gina and John Nichols, Maggie's parents, from reporting Nasser's conduct to law enforcement and pressured them to keep the matter quiet. Because USA Gymnastics supports all the athletes and their right to come forward and these brave, strong women, and, except right. according to all of their actions. Cultural empowerment. June 2015, which is also crazy. The timeline is crazy to me, and I'm sure this is how things work, but not really. Because even, I mean, we'll talk about 
the issues with USA Gymnastics here, but even the FBI, which is not absolved of fault here either, which didn't right. contact Maggie for a year. Right. And she was, was the first a year person. later, a year. right before trials 2016, a year. And in the meantime, Nasser was, it was for two years, he was under investigation between USA Gymnastics and MSU. That yeah, was, MSU started investigating in 2014, right? Right. And he was allowed during that whole time to continue to see patients. He was not suspended. It's, yeah. And all of this could be avoided. And the thing is, she's not the only one who, there's so many... Okay, we'll get to this in a minute because we need to talk this. We need to get back to this point about um, USA Gymnastics discouraging people to come. Not USA. Steve Penny, very, very, very specifically, and why he was saying, you know, you shouldn't talk about this publicly, and how they would endanger the um, the investigation, the criminal investigation, if they did come forward. Um, so we're gonna get to that in our. What's coming up next, which is the Web of Stupid Awards. But first, I want to ask this question. When is it time to just close down USA Gymnastics? To just, like, I don't mean waiting to be decertified by the USOC. I mean, like, you just tell everybody to go home, turn off the lights, and hand the keys to Kathy Johnson. <laughs> oh, handing the keys to Kathy Johnson two years ago. Um we are already at the point where either gutted, like everyone go home and we're going to build this back up under the name of, and it can still be the name of USA Gymnastics and keep some of the regional stuff intact that kind of allows, because the only fear really about, or not even fear, but the concern about shutting down USAG entirely is taking away the opportunity for the young athletes to participate in a sport right. that is a wonderful sport that we love. So that's the only worry. So something that you could do to allow the framework of the regional gyms and competitions to stay intact, but the entire organization is gutted or taken over by the USOC, but the USOC isn't free from guilt here either. So it's difficult. And I think that's why a lot of, the feeling just goes toward burn it all down because mm -hmm. there's no one who's absolved of guilt. There's, you know, you keep going up the ladder. Well, this person take control. Well, this higher organization take control. They're not absolved of guilt either. So I think, yeah, we're there. I mean, if something isn't drastic and by drastic, I mean, let's dissolve the board of directors drastic done soon. We're there. Because that, the trust and, is gone and the culture is bad. You've got right. to get rid of everyone. That's the it's thing. toxic. Right. Even if you make changes, it's toxic. And it's lost the public trust. And when you lose the public trust, it's over. And this is why I feel like, yeah, that's when it's too late. Like, it doesn't matter what they say. And even if it's sincere, it's, it's too late. It's over. And that brings us to the Web of Stupid Awards. Yes. Because I, I was starting, I was calling this what happened with USA Gymnastics and Fran Sepler and all of this. I was referring to it as a web of lies, but I felt like that gave them too much credit. <laughs> like a web of lies sounds like 
uh, espionage, secret agenda plans. And I'm like, they're all too stupid for that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a web of lies. It's a web of stupid. So in the hierarchy, as USA Gymnastics loves hierarchies, so let's make a hierarchy. It's an honor to be on the list. It's it's an honor to be nominated for the Web of Stupid Awards. Um, Option number one for a Web of Stupid Award, which I would like to present, is uh, screenshot it before they realize how spectacularly stupid this is and take it down (laughs) news, which I did, by the way. The second all of this started, I was like, oh, I'm taking a screenshot of this USA Gymnastics Maggie Nichols statement because there are obvious inconsistencies and lies in here, and they're going to take this down in a second, and they haven't taken it down. That's Ooh. almost the most appalling part of this. I'm like, it's still up. Plan <laughs> who? I just want to so, strike. Oh, okay. The US, USA Gymnastics released a statement, and I don't – come on, USA Gymnastics. Like, who approved this? I mean, this is a lawyery statement. But, like, this had to go – this statement about Maggie Nichols had to go by someone who would have thought maybe this is the worst approach we could possibly take. But apparently it didn't and still went out. So, basically, they well actually Maggie in this statement. That's what it is. It's well actually – Maggie's statement wasn't very helpful, and we did what we were supposed to do. And John Manley, man, you can tell he's getting under their skin because they mentioned him by name. Oh, that was the best part. He's, he should, like, frame that. He'll be like, job done. <laughs> you mentioned my name. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first thing that I want to talk about in USA Gymnastics statement, here is the quote. The information that Maggie, and later a second athlete, provided was important, but did not provide a reasonable suspicion that sexual abuse had occurred. Okay, one, yes it did. Two, that's not your call, because you're not qualified to make that call, as we know. Right. And specifically, Allie said in her book that she tried later... Because this is the first time, even though she felt uncomfortable, this is the first time someone introduced the idea to her that this wasn't okay. And it wasn't actually an honor to be sexually abused at the ranch by someone. And that she gave, she wanted to give more details because then she thought about it and really sunk in. And she was like, wait, my feelings of feeling uncomfortable all these years were actually valid. And she asked USAG to put her back in touch with Fran Seppler, the investigator or interviewer, um, and they wouldn't. And they said, no, 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 and don't come forward and don't talk to anyone. We're handling it. So, right, right. it wasn't enough info, but we also wouldn't take any more information. we wouldn't take any more information, and it totally was enough info. And to say, I mean, it's just the human aspect also of this is saying, like, Mm, your cl- your complaint really isn't valid enough or isn't good enough. Like, it's basically saying, like, we would have loved to do something about Larry Nasser, but Maggie and Allie were so unhelpful that we couldn't, is basically what they're trying to say. Like, the information Maggie provided wasn't sufficient. Like, shut up. Right. Disgusting. Okay, item two. Quote, USA Gymnastics immediately contacted her parents and hired an experienced independent investigator. That's what they say they did after finding out from Maggie and Sarah Yancey. So, one, you don't get to use the word immediately anymore. Ever. As we've learned, because last time immediately, you did something immediately, it was five weeks later. The whole, the five, the fr- five weeks Fran. Mm-hmm. The movie about this is going to be called Five Weeks Fran. <laughs> 
And the five weeks to remind you guys is the time it took between the time that uh, Sarah reported this to Rhonda Fain and Steve Penny actually going to law enforcement. Five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks, during which they contacted her parents and hired an experienced independent investigator, which, by the way, that's not the police. You were supposed to talk to the police. An experienced independent investigator is not the police. So you're saying that, like, look how responsible we were being, but that's not what you were supposed to do. Right. They're admitting they did not go to law enforcement. They're admitting in black and white. This is why we all screenshot this. Wait, you're in a a state that is a mandatory reporter state, and you just admitted in black and white. That's why all of us were like, screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. Where are the police? When are they invading USA Gymnastics? Where is CPS, the Child Protective Services, descending upon? Where's the FBI? FBI raiding the offices of USAG. Oh, they don't need to because they just admitted it in black and white. And where are the consequences? There's no consequences. It's like there's a law. You have to be a mandatory reporter. And like, there's, but if you don't, like nobody cares. And then the whole little, the great little twist to all of this, because USA Gymnastics immediately hired an experienced and independent investigator, cut to Fran Seppler to Sports Illustrated saying, Quote, I was not hired as an investigator. So USA Gymnastics either caught in a lie there or Fran Seppler caught in a lie there or both probably because obviously, but you've just contradicted each other and everyone's fine with it. Like no, nothing has been taken down. No one has clarified. No consequences. They're just like, oh yeah, everything's a lie. Because they're they can't get their stories straight. Right. I mean, Fran Sepler's own we- hideous website, by the way, Ugh. uses the word investigator like 150 times when she's described in the little about section. If you go to her website, it's just like it says Miss Sepler is best known for her pioneering work in harassment prevention and workplace investigations. She has conducted over 1000 workplace investigations. She uses the word investigation so many times. <laughs> And she's not the police. That's the whole point. Right. She's not the police. And also, like, right, the whole thing about, like, is she investigator or not investigator? Like, all of a sudden, she's walking back calling herself an investigator. She made her Twitter private. Um, and she's calling herself now an interviewer. I was an interviewer. And the thing is, being a private investigator is a job that requires a license. There's a reason you have to have a license to do that. So were they hiring someone who was operating without a license or presenting themselves as a private eye when they actually weren't? I mean, why would you change the description of yourself, except now you're worried that you're going to be found out as not actually being a private investigator? Like, that's a a legal term, and there's a reason for that. I just hit my mic because I'm so upset. Okay, go ahead. Yep. So this whole hurting the investigation issue is also looming large because the current defense is that the FBI told USA Gymnastics not to do anything to interfere with the investigation. And so then they say they interpreted that as meaning that they can't discuss the matter. Oh, so you were just like, we probably can't talk about it. So we're definitely going to know Larry Nassar is still seeing patients and not do anything to stop it because uh, the fbi probably doesn't want us to really that's convenient you didn't go knock down their door every single day saying hey fbi this child abuser still seeing patients in michigan you should have if you really thought that you 
couldn't say anything about this because you'd be disrupting the investigation, like drop everything and go to the FBI every single day then to say, knock, knock, what's happening? We need to stop this immediately. I mean, they did, they did say that, you know, when they found out from the third athlete that it really was sexual abuse, because that was up to them to decide that, mm-hmm. that. And it takes three, you know. It does. Apparently, it, it, that's the rule. That is the rule. It takes three. And then that happened on a Friday. So on the following business day, which was a Monday, so three days later, because I don't know if you know, but the FBI isn't open on the weekends. <laughs> Oh, also, you can't um, sexual assault people on weekends. Yeah. So they were fine. Everybody knows that. So that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, And also, yeah, you can't interrupt them again. Or you can't ask them for any clarification like, hey, um, well, what can we do that won't interrupt your investigation? Like, you know, give us because we we can't stand seeing that this is still going on. What can we do? Like, that's definitely not something you would ask. (sighs) These idiots. (laughs) So USA Gymnastics, not alone. In the Web of Stupid Awards, who else emerged this week as a problem, except had been a problem all along? Okay, so we're going to talk about this finally because um, we finally have more information. Okay, so option two is John, sue your own mother, Gettert. So uh, Gettert's Twisters is a club in Michigan where Larry Nasser got his start and would come in and see athletes for years and years. And um, Gettert filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit against him. So the big lawsuits are against USA Gymnastics, MSU, and Gettert's because that's where he worked for a million years. Um, So the things that he said in the motion to dismiss are things like, he was fooled by Nasser just like everybody else. Except we know that one of the survivors came forward and said that he walked in. So Gettert walked in on Nasser abusing her at his gym. And that when she came out of the room, Gettert made a joke to her about it. Specifically, oh, that must have hurt. So survivor statements indicate that he knew as early as 1997 about what was going on. Him and Kathy Kleidis. Um, He also had the nerve to apply to imply here in the statement, the coach and the physical therapist and Ms. Den Hollander's mother also didn't report. Plaintiffs have failed to justify why none of these other people were sued or brought into the case for failing to do exactly the same thing that plaintiffs alleged Gettert and Twisters failed to do. So basically, he's like, so why aren't you suing your own mother? That's what he's saying. Because Gettert's classy. As we know. Um, and to discuss about Gettert being classy, um, let's talk about this. So a, a listener asked last week when all this stuff came out about Gettert's motion to dismiss. Um, somebody asked, you know, you've always you know, seemed like you really hate Gettert on the podcast. Why is that? So finally have enough information to answer this question. So um, I received a couple... As a couple different people have called and emailed about Gettert's, um, and specifically re- with reports of abuse. This is, as far as I know, not sexual abuse. And let me be very clear, does have has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with Jordan Weber. Period. Gettert was Jordan's coach, 2012 Olympics. He was a head coach at Tokyo Worlds, head coach in London at the Olympic Games in 2012. This has nothing to do with sexual abuse and nothing to do with Jordan Weber. 
But here's what I was able to identify from those reports that I got. Um, finally, we have some information on it. So in 2011 and 2013, Geddert was investigated by police for assault and battery of a child at his gym and of an employee. The police sent their report to the DA. The DA didn't have enough evidence to prosecute. Um, in an unrelated note, that DA is now in jail for soliciting prostitutes because Michigan. ESPN came out with a report today, and it's linked in the show notes, and this talks more extensively about what's happening with Geddert. There's, uh, so you guys can read that if you want to read about it, a couple quotes from this. So um, first of all, what happened with USA Gymnastics? Why hasn't uh, John Geddert been banned? Why is Twistars hosting Level 7 State this year? Well, um, in 2014, ESPN reports that USAG hired a private investigator to investigate Nasser, and then they declined to comment on ESPN's story. So we have no idea why he's not banned yet, what's going on with him, what the status is, what the result of the report was back in 2014. Um, a couple other quotes of note from this um, you remember, this is where Nasser worked for a long time. Uh, quote from one of the victims, John broke little girls' spirits, bodies, spirits and bodies, and Larry was there to fix them. It was good cop, bad cop. Kids were terrified to tell Geddert anything. Perfect environment for Larry to thrive. Um, also, Nasser tried to get um, the kid who was allegedly assaulted by Nasser in this. Um, she was 11 or 12. And uh, Nasser contacted her grandmother and tried to get the grandmother to drop the charges against Geddert. All of this stuff definitely constitute a violation of the code of ethics. <laughs> like the rules that are now called the safe sport rules that all the NGBs have to have. So the other thing is people are like, why is this gym open? Why? And I agree with that. I'm always like, why? And, you know, one parent told me that my kid loves their coach. My kid has nothing to do with Geddert. I hate Geddert. I can't stand the place. My kid has this one safe space in their life and they love their coach and gymnastics is like their... And so I totally feel for that parent because like your kid, it's your kid and your love and everything. And, uh, you know, so like the parents are also in a tough spot and I feel for them. Um, but, you know, we've been doing episodes on preventing abuse since 2013 and... The the thing I learned in the beginning from Catherine Starr when she was on the, the show, um, Catherine Starr runs Safe for Athletes, she taught me that you have to have a code of conduct in place that stops grooming behavior and and identifies specifically what is um, abusive and not allowed before it reaches the criminal level because the criminal threshold is so hard to meet. Like in the examples in these, in the, what the police investigated with Geddert, they couldn't reach the threshold to actually prosecute him. But any code of conduct would see that this is absolutely unacceptable, what he did, and that and he should be banned and not have a professional membership for USA Gymnastics. Like, end of story. So I, I don't know why John Geddert, after learning about all this, I don't know why Geddert isn't banned. I don't know why what the problem is. I don't know what is up with it. So we'll ask USA Gymnastics what the status is and why he wasn't banned when they first heard about this. So Michigan State is kind of trying to play the same cards as Gattert in its motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Um, saying Michigan State says it has immunity from liability and is also playing the same 
no obligation to report. It's they specifically said Kathy Clagus is not one who is not a mandatory reporter under state law and all of that. And that the statute of limitations has also expired. You know, what a lovely defense that is. They did have their person who was giving the statement make a very he basically apologized for the statement beforehand, basically saying, like, our insurance requires us to explore every legal avenue possible, and this doesn't actually reflect our views, which is just, like, such a cowardly way of trying to get around or get out of this. Like, this, the lawsuit, the motion to dismiss that we're filing does not reflect our views of the victims. We just have to say this. Like, you're saying it. <sighs> yeah. Um, also... One thing I wanted to mention before we move on to find out who the winner of the Web of <laughs> Stupid Awards is for this episode, I want to mention Susan W. Brooks, who is the congresswoman for um, Indianapolis. She tweet she went to USA Gymnastics, met with the new president, Carrie Perry, and basically tweeted a bunch of propaganda from them. You are so happy to meet with USA Gymnastics today. Look at all the great things they've done, blah, blah, blah. It was so egregious. I was like... So it's your like no one has held USAG accountable, Steve Penny and Paul Perilla very specifically, for um for not reporting this immediately, like actually immediately, which means within twenty four hours. That's also something that's defined by law, um, to law enforcement, um, and then also not trying to stop him from seeing any, you know, not telling MSU about it, um so many other things like no one's held them accountable like no one's actually followed up with them no one's put any pressure on them in indiana where they're headquartered um and you just walk in there and are like it's so great to have you here and you're 34 million dollars thanks so much usa gymnastics and then boom simone biles comes out with her statement like if you people really want to know how they can do more and in michigan this is a huge issue and every politician there is running on the platform of i will make msu pay for what happened here. And um, this Susan W. Brooks needs to get a lot of phone calls from gymnastic listeners and gymnastics fans. That's like, where? how are you holding organizations accountable for what happened instead of just retweeting their propaganda? Um, yeah, I was totally disgusted with her. Anywho, all right, so the Web of Stupid Awards. So to recap, our nominees are um, for screenshot it before they realize how spectacularly stupid it is and take it down, USA Gymnastics. Number two, John, sue your own mom, Gettert. Or the MSU, la 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 la, cover your ears, we're just required by our insurance company to file this kind of thing in a court of law. <laughs> you didn't nominate Fran Seppler. Oh, and Fran Seppler for being like, I'm an investigator. No, just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> All of them? Is the winner all of them? Is that what the answer to this award show is going to be? It is. All of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. And um, also, the victim statements are happening right now in Michigan. So it's the sentencing in the state court um, for Nasser. And this is where he's actually being sentenced for the assaults, which was not the case in the federal uh, federal case. So the victim statements are scheduled to last four days. There's like 80 women and girls who are speaking and there's like a hundred media outlets. So I think there's going to be a live stream of these. So you can watch if you want to. Um, and I think the interesting thing about watching is you can see if the devil himself will rise out of his, the fiery depths of hell and claim Nasser right there in the courtroom. So we'll tweet you a link to that. Um, other important news. 
Marsha Frederick, she was the very first U.S. gymnastics world champion ever. Huge, huge, huge deal. Revolutionized how bars were done. She has come forward to share her story of sexual abuse um, that happened at the hands of her coach um, when she started when she was 16, went till she was 18. This is 79 to 81. The reason this is so important, because a lot of people are like, why did these, you know, why does this matter? It happened so long ago. Why are people coming forward now? Um, what Kathy Johnson said about this is like, this story is important because it shows the roots of the problem. It can't, it shows the foundations of USA Gymnastics and, and USAG, the US Gymnastics Federation, whatever it was called back then. Um, None of these crimes are new. I refuse to call it a scandal. I hate the word scandal. These are crimes. And this is what the system was built on. This kind of reaction to you're lucky, like Spencer was saying, you're lucky to be here. It's an honor to be coached by these people. Do your job and shut up. So her coach, Richard Carlson, he has said that he didn't do this, but his the allegations are that he, um, he abused, started abusing her he continued to coach female athletes until at least 2015 um, and instruct at USAG sanctioned clinics um, for promising female athletes until at least 2012, according to USAG reports and interviews. More than two years after Frederick filed a complaint specifically with Steve Penny, because that's how it used to be done. You have, you have to write something down and send it to the president of USA Gymnastics, um, alleging sexual misconduct by Carlson. Um, the sports national governing body still has not taken action against the coach. And, and you guys, USAG never even responded to a request for comment on this story. They gave no answer. Like the whole point of, you know, the fourth estate and journalism is that they hold accountable the seats of power. That's why it's literally in our constitution. That's how important it is. And USAG felt so little responsibility to be held accountable in any way that they didn't even respond to a request for comment. And this is by, this is a story by Scott Reed, who's been on the podcast before and he has been covering this since the 80s. Like, you want to know where the bodies is buried? <laughs> like, he knows. And he, like, you know, there's he has been, you know, waving the flag about this and trying to ring the bell and, like, alerting people for uh, decades now. Literally decades. This, this story is sh just shocking because she told her coach. She told the woman who, remember in Vanessa Atler's... Um, Interview, remember the woman that she said told her to be bulimic? Yes. Yeah. Is that, um, well, that was a question for me. I thought it was rhetorical. Yes. Sorry. No, no, no. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> okay. that. Yes. The one, yeah. <laughs> you were going to remember that person? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Okay, <laughs> no, yeah. So uh, Vanessa Adler said that she went, she was at a meet and she went in and she was talking about how she's, you know, throwing up and, um, and it was, uh, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Because she's Muriel. dead to me. Muriel Grossfeld, thank you. Um, she was, you know, Muriel looked at her and she was like, well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Like, and this is a person that was told that her employee was sexually abusing one of the athletes, you know, 30 years before Vanessa. She said that to Vanessa. Like, these, these are the roots, the foundation of what USA Gymnastics is built on. And this is the kind of person who they allowed to be around gymnasts for decades after that happened. So it's freaking disgusting. Makes me want to puke. <sighs> All right. 
Um, so, Paul Zert, who is the publisher of International Gymnast Magazine, former Olympic coach, also started both the men's and women's um, Oklahoma college programs, and a longtime angry man with USA Gymnastics. Like, you want to know who can't stand USA Gymnastics? Paul Zert, also someone who's been raising the alarm for a long time. Um, he asked USA Gymnastics who approved the Maroney settlement and where the money came from. And USA Gymnastics' answer was the settlement was paid from an insurance po- insurance policy proceeds. So USAG has insurance for this. The individuals in the chain of approval were Paul Perilla and Steve Penny and Peggy Holm, who's the USA Gymnastics Defense Council and a representative of the insurance carrier. So, um, like, I feel like if the board, like Paul Perilla runs the board, but if, if I was on the board and I didn't know about this, <laughs> I would be immediately... I would ask I would ask for a vote of no confidence and just be like that's it. I want a vote of no confidence on Paul Perilla like, he approved the settlement like with that had and the big thing is not the settlement it's the non-disclosure agreement so that she couldn't speak out about what Nasser had done and was told at the time if you speak out well it's pressure just like Maggie is saying she was pressured not to go forward because if you say anything you're going to interfere with the law enforcement investigation, even though he was already in jail at that time. They were still telling her that. So this is what's like so disgusting about this. And I feel like the board just do it. Do a vote of no confidence. Get rid of and I would get rid of the whole top like everybody, the top three people get rid of them. So and this is another reason why I'm just like the more you protect Perilla and Steve Penny, the more you're taking the whole organization down and all the people that weren't involved in this. And that's what I just feel like just light on a fire at this point uh coming up next we are going to talk about all the nca meets we're going to talk about actual gymnastics and the happy things that make us love this sport but before we do that a word from our sponsors so one of the things both me and spencer have tried HelloFresh, and the things that we like about it are one is the convenience because like I travel a lot. Spencer only travels for meets, but this is important because <laughs> um, we you can choose the day that you want the delivery to be made. So if there's a day of the week you're not going to be around or if you know I'm going to be home for these days so I want to cook then, that's the day that you can choose, which is so nice to do. Also, the flexibility and the selection um, because you can cater sort of to what your needs are or what your wants are for that time. Um, if you want, you know, you want to do vegetarian or you want to do like meat dishes because you have someone visiting and you want to impress a friend, you can do that. Um, also that it's super, super simple. So for me, like I totally and completely hate cooking and, uh, but I enjoy eating very much. Um, and it only takes 20 or 30 minutes. And I also know what's going to be delicious. And that's one of my favorite things about it is it's way, <laughs> like, not only do I know it's going to be good, but it's way more food than I need for the two of us. Like I can never finish my portion. It's which is always my fear with food. And I think anyone that exercises or has ever been an athlete in their life, like, am I going to be starving? Is there going to be enough food? Like this is always super important. The other thing is um the little tiny bottles for the ingredients that come with it. Like I don't know if I'm the only one obsessed with this, but they're so cute. Like I feel like I should start collecting these tiny bottles because they're so adorable. So I really enjoy HelloFresh. Um, 
overall, I think that it's like, I like the, the convenience. I like the flexibility. I like that I know how long it's going to take for sure. And I know it's always going to be good. It's going to be enough food and it's healthy. Like, I don't have to worry about getting stuck on the way home. And Coop's like, oh, I didn't have time to grocery shop. Can you pick something up? And then we know we're going to have like crappy food. Like, this is definitely healthy. My favorite recipe that I've tried from HelloFresh is definitely the game day chili. It's delicious and yummy. And like I said before, super filling. I couldn't even finish the whole thing. So if you want to try HelloFresh, check out, you get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code Jimcastic. 30. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. If you are a contact lens wearer, as Jessica and I both are, you know that suddenly you will run out of contacts and it's super annoying because then your prescription has expired. So you have to make an appointment and you have to go to the doctor and it's super expensive and horrible and everything is the worst. But this is why I'm so obsessed with Simple Contacts, because what you do is you download the app, you they will do the eye test for you right there on your phone. You look to the left, you look to the right, you look up to do an eye health test, and then you do the chart with the letters, and it takes five minutes, and it's already done, and they will you then choose your brand of contacts and you order it and they will send it to you. Your test is reviewed by their licensed ophthalmologists and then it's done. The vision test is only $30 compared to, you know, your annual eye appointment, which the time and money spent doing that is going to be a lot more. Uh, standard shipping of the contacts is free, which is also, you know, ding, ding, ding. It was very easy. That's what I love the most about it. It was just so fast and just so quick. And it took what was supposed to be a horrible chore and made it something you don't even have to think about, uh, which was excellent. So do make sure that to know that this isn't a replacement for the full eye health exam. So you still need to do that periodically. But if you need to just renew your contacts, this is an excellent way of doing that. So once again, that is $30 off your order of contacts. You can go to simplecontacts.com forward slash Jimcastic or enter the code Jimcastic at checkout. All right. So in NCAA news, uh, first of all, to discuss our leaders after two weekends of competition now, technically in first place is LSU as a team because uh, Oklahoma competed today as we record this on Monday. But Oklahoma score would put them in first place if that but that won't count until next week's rankings. It's super stupid and complicated. But anyway, it doesn't really matter right now because it's only been two weeks. Leader, our leader in the all-around is Elizabeth Price with an all-around average of 39.6 after two weeks because EB is healthy and competing beam again, and she won beam at her meet, at the quad meet this weekend, and it's all very exciting in her senior year. She's having a great season so far. The big story of the weekend, well, of Friday, was that last Friday was the day that Vault turned impossible. Just immediately, vault is impossible. You think you're going to see the most falls on beam, and that vault is typically the event where we see the fewest falls, I think. Unless it's yeah. like elite and you're checking things. But in general, fewest falls on vault. Not last Friday. Everyone forgot how to vault. So the weird, the weirdest thing 
happened in the meet between Alabama and Georgia. And you, you knew there was going to be drama in this meet. It was Suzanne's comeback meet, and she's tr- going to Alabama. The fans that despise Suzanne, like, you knew there was going to be drama. You just didn't think it was going to be Alabama's drama. Like, Suzanne was like, oh, I can just, like, throw up my hands. I don't even have to, I don't even have to create anything this week. It's all Alabama's got it. So, second up on vault for Alabama is Maddie Dash. And we just see her vault, and we think, okay, Maddie Dash is vaulted. And then there's a judging delay, which was odd in general, because, like, she did a Yurchenko full. How many of those are you seeing? Like, how hard is this to judge? And at that point in the broadcast, John and Alicia, uh, John Roethlisberger and Alicia Sacramone Quinn, who are doing the commentator, they're given the information. I don't think they just came up with this on their own. <laughs> I just, um, wait. They're not doing the commentator. They are the commentators. Oh, they're d- <laughs> oh, well... That was a good slip of the tongue, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. That's one of my favorite things you've ever said. John and Alicia are doing the comedy. <laughs> this turned into a. This was the SEC network has taken a turn. So dirty. <laughs> the SEC network turned into a porn channel so quickly. <laughs> All right, so John and Alicia were doing the commentary, and they were the commentators at this meet. So they were given the information that one of the judges missed Maddie Desch's vault. And this was very controversial, and everyone was outraged. It turns out, it appears what actually happened is that Maddie Desch went and vaulted before the flag was raised, which is a very unusual thing. Uh, I blame the PA announcer in this case, because obviously I went back and watched it like four times, mostly for Dana Duckworth's eyes mm. during the whole situation, which were amazing. Like she's giving Miss Val eyes a run for their money in oh. the way she was marching back and forth to the judges. There's a part where she's just running down the vault running, going runway going, hey, 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 hey. It was great. So I mostly watched it for that, but also to figure out what happened. So I think the PA announcer at a meet like this in an arena with a PA announcer, the PA announcer waits until the gymnasts are given the green flag, the go-ahead, and then they announce their names. So what happened here is the PA announcer says, next on vault for Alabama, Maddie Dash. And so she hears that and salutes. And you can see her kind of look over to the judges slightly confusedly. So I'm assuming her thought process was, oh, I must have missed it. I must have missed the flag. So I better get a move on. I better vault. When in actuality the flag had never been raised, which is something you don't see, especially on the other events, like on bars and beam, you wouldn't see that because if you were confused, you're right there with the judges. And if you were confused as to whether the flag was raised, you would have been like, did you raise the flag? And they would be like, oh no. But here you're at the one end of the vault runway, the judges are at the other. You're not within talking distance. As someone who has done this before. Yes. (laughs) Tell me, tell me the story. So, um, so I once vaulted and landed my handspring because, as you can tell, I was a very advanced gymnast. And I landed my front handspring and saluted the judges, and they looked at me like, "What just happened?" And I looked at them like, "A oh, hello." That was the best vault I've ever done because it was. Um, and then they kind of looked at the coach. So the thing was, like for me, I thought they had raised an arm because we didn't have the flag. We had just they raised their arm. But they didn't. But the problem was because I was supposed to wear glasses and I didn't because I was super embarrassed to wear glasses. So I couldn't really see. So I usually would depend on someone to tell me if they had raised their arm. 
Um, but it is sometimes like if you're like I can understand why this happens, but normally when you salute, like you can, but you know they have those crazy salutes. Like they have that like blah and then blah and jump <laughs> you and think throw. The college salute threw her head so far right. back that she couldn't see the judge of black. Right. The judges look like, wait a minute, like stop, hold on, we didn't um yeah. Or maybe the other judges like just nudged each other and was like, Crap, she's going, quick, look, and then one didn't get their, you know, head up in time to see. But like it does happen, but um yeah. But I can see how if she thought she missed it when the announcer went, that is like a very good, I mean, th- that makes I, sense. That, is, I don't know if that happened, but that judging by, because we, in the broadcast, we couldn't see the judges. We just saw Maddie. And judging by her facial expressions, that's what I've intuited. Yeah. and that, that, So then she's like, oh, crap, I've got a vault. I right. missed it. And that makes sense because, like, she is an elite. She was trained, too. She's on a world team, a world elite. Uh, she's not new. Right. And she knows, like, you don't depend on the announcer. You always depend on if the screen green, which is the same as the flag. Did the green flag go up? So she knows what she's doing. So it's not like a lack of experience or anything. Like, she's more experienced than, you know, the freaking judges, probably. So, anywho. So this is the thing about this, though. This The, the bummer about this is the elite rules are it's an automatic zero, um... Like, remember Anna Pavlova and she ran down the vault and they were just like, Burp, in 2008, sorry, that's a zero for you. Um, but in NCAA, there's a 0.5 deduction and the gymnast has to repeat the vault. So, like, the bummer is she got a deduction even though it seemed to be a point of confusion. But at least it's not the same. I mean, I think the elite rules are way worse because it allows no... It's basically like we don't care about safety. There's no excuse. Like you have run, you have to go, which I think is really, really dangerous. But um, but didn't okay. So what do you think though? Yeah, I'm with you. I prefer um, you know, having a with vault rules and runs and all of that. And we'll talk more about number of runs and all of that because that became an issue too on the day that vault turned impossible. But yeah. I think being a little more forgiving is in the interest of safety. Uh, it sucks that you have to vault again, though. Like, ugh, just and though her vault was better the second time, so maybe she'll take that one. But even though there was a five tenth deduction, but yeah, I guess you can't assume that the judges saw it. So they because the both both the judges saw that vault. Like they they but they had to assess the deduction because they hadn't raised the flag. I feel like they could have just scored that one, but it wouldn't have been in the letter of the rules. So I prefer the NCAA rules, but it is confusing when we have elite and NCAA with different rules. Cause I, and I say that cause I got very confused when it was happening. I was like, no, it wouldn't have been her going before the flag. Cause you get a zero. And I was like, no, that's just an elite, but you get a zero. Yes. Of course, NCAA wouldn't give anyone a zero. So it got worse for Alabama <laughs> on vault because Maddie Dash was then followed by Lexi Graber, who is new. She's a freshman, one of the top J.O. gymnasts. We haven't talked about her a lot. I think we will talk about her a lot because she's a lovely gymnast. She has a year, Also, she has a Yurchenko one and a half. But she landed super locked leg and injured herself, had to limp off. We don't really know the severity of the injury, but we did see, and the SEC network was right on this one because they had footage of the vault warm-up, too, where she landed the exact same way. Oh, Jesus kind of locked leg on a one and a half but it wasn't dangerous in the way that, well it was dangerous looking but she was short enough on the vault 
that she was just able to sit it down. It was the kind of thing where this vault was better, which made it more dangerous because she actually had a chance to land it. Yes. Not just like bailing out of it. Like I've got no chance like she did in the warm up. But it was somewhat controversial because the question was, should she have been allowed to vault if she had already if she had landed that vault locked leg in the warm up? But I feel like we can't make that call because we haven't seen training all week. What are your thoughts on that? Right. That's the thing. And I also want to say just I started to laugh for a second because I thought we were going on to our next segment. So I didn't mean to laugh at her being potentially injured because that was one of those ones where I screamed and covered my eyes. So um, that's that's the thing. It's eh, it's one of those like if, if she was landing that way every single day in practice or every single vault she tried that day was landed that way, then I'd be like, mm, maybe you change the vault. Um but then, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that we don't know what happened. So yeah, it's hard to say. I agree. What you were laughing about and what <laughs> I do want to go on to, the comic relief oh of this meet. So everything is out of control, first of all, in the SEC, just in general, I'm going to say. Because we've got the stick crown at LSU, and now Alabama's copying that with the diva belt that you get when you stick, and now Ohio State had a fur vest that they were passing around. Oh, the fur vest is way better than the diva belt, by the way, because the diva belt, first of all, sounds like a sanitary napkin product. And isn't there something called something like that? Yeah, there's the diva cup or the moon cup or there's a diva cup. Yeah, it's like you, I believe I've talked about it extensively on one of the shows, but you suction it. I probably passed out because I didn't, wasn't paying attention. But you (laughs) suction it onto your cervix, much like a uh, cervical cap. So, um, but anyway, I digress. (laughs) It's not going to last because the gymnast didn't seem to like it. Um, But the fur vest, first of all, it's freezing in Ohio. So you need like a fake fur, obviously, um, vest. And I think that's a much better idea. I want like more. I I mean, I hate this trend, obviously, because I don't like joy. But I want more teams to make fun of it. And, like, come up with increasingly ridiculous things. Oh, a grill. Have... They need a grill. That needs yeah, to be the next thing. They need just, like, really cumbersome or insane things. But in the issue of things getting ridiculous in the SEC, something happened with football. I don't know. We, neither of us care. But there was a football thing involving Alabama, and it was, like, important or something. So they've been talking all about this, and everyone is assumed – they assume that everyone knows what they're talking about, about Tua and chanting and belief, and it was a whole big thing. Anyway, the Alabama gymnastics team had a whiteboard where they had just written some random things, I think because of inspiration or something, like selflessness, resilience – fight to the finish one of the things a keen twitterer (laughs) noticed was written on the board was persistedness (laughs) jess is persistedness a word no no oh really no no (laughs) and i want to just like in there let me just give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt It, it does look like persist was written and then in smaller because it's like an all caps and then next to it's Edness. So maybe someone was being funny and wrote that in at the end or maybe it's an inside joke but it's going to be an inside joke on the gym internet forever because it's hilarious. Yeah. Persistentness. There's, there are so many 
and this is not limited to Alabama. This is many schools who will do like the inspirational word thing on the wall or written somewhere and they are not consistent in part of speech. Like some of them are verbs and some of them are nouns and some of them are adjectives and it really bothers me. And so I feel like they were trying to fix persist to make it a noun, but they didn't know what the noun was. <laughs> Persistence is the word you were looking for, by the way. So they put persistentness. So um, I think we need to like do this podcast with more persistentness. We we definitely should. Speaking of which, um, I don't feel like I got enough acknowledgement for suggesting that teams create a, a stick, the stick queen grill. Like, you know what a grill is, right? I do know what a grill is. Okay. So just for everyone else, because oh, I... Oh, you didn't, felt like I didn't laugh hard enough right. for your hilarious joke? Okay. Can, can, you ex- <laughs> <laughs> can you just... If in case anyone doesn't know what a grill is, yeah, uh, could grill you describe? Is a glowy gold thing you put on your teeth. Right. It's like a... Um, like if you play... If you do like wrestling or football and you have a mouth guard, it's like a mouth guard, but it's covered with sparkles. And it is popular in the... The rap of Dirty South. Is it still popular? Or is that like really dated and dumb? Um, well, it, both. Okay. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not up to date on my grills. Okay, yeah. But yeah. Okay, so, but anyway, if someone could, um, <laughs> if someone could like Photoshop the stick grill onto some of the teams, that would be great. We would love to see your, your um, entries for that. Okay. I, I think w- they should just have like a bat, like a big sack that you have to get in if you stuck and then the rest of the team carries you around in a sack <laughs> from event to event because you're the last one to stick. I have a lot of good ideas. I feel like Sac State, Seattle Pacific, <laughs> San Jose State. Davis, get in touch. I feel like this you're my prime audience and we need to get this going. Yes. Okay. George Washington, I'm looking at That's you. That's what I was you thinking. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You can carry on now that we've thoroughly discussed what a grill is and, yeah. and persistence. how hilarious persistent so, is. More of all problems. I would just like to state for the record, in NCAA gymnastics, you get three vault runs that is the rule you can run through once you can run through twice and you can still vault the third time and i feel like no one knows this except for kathy she's like the only person who knows this rule because everyone has trouble so we had rachel slocum something has been off for rachel slocum on vault this season she has the yips she's lost something her rhythm her confidence her run something she, she has gone has wrong the yips the yips what's the yips Oh, that is a tennis term, I think. But it's when you've been serving your whole life. And then suddenly, after 20 years, you forget how to serve and you don't know why. And it's just been muscle memory all this time. And then suddenly it's gone and you can't figure it out because you haven't thought about it in 20 years. It's just muscle memory and you can't serve anymore. It's the same thing on a vault. It's like that's true. That's a real thing. Knows how to do a vault run. It's muscle memory, and it's almost harder because it's muscle memory because you haven't thought about it in so long that you're like, wait, how do how do I run? And then you start thinking about it, and that makes it worse because then you're focusing on like, wait, this foot goes here and this foot. No, I don't know. So I feel like because she had a problem last week, she had a problem this week. I feel like she's in her own head about it. So what happened is Rachel Slocum ran through, started her run on vault, and then ran through as you should do if you feel off something's wrong 
don't risk it, just run through, which is why NCAA's rules are much better in this case as well, that you get three tries rather than now an elite, where if even if you run through once and don't touch the vaulting table, you get penalized, which is super unsafe because it's encouraging people to vault in unsafe circumstances. Um, so even if it's not like a Kramarenko 2007 Russia team final where she ran through but touched the vault oh, and oh, so got oh. a zero and then Russia finished eighth, um, it wasn't like that. She just ran past. But then she Rachel Slocum went for her second try. And I was so nervous because about two-thirds of the way down the vault runway, you can see her hesitate. Mm-hmm. And she's not sure. And she starts to slow down, and then she continues running and continues vaulting, which you should not do. If you are slowing down, if you have the slightest bit of hesitation, just run through, especially because she had another run that she could have done. So she vaults. Thankfully, she's fine. She just kind of does a handspring nothing and sits it down and knew, you know, she knew that she didn't have it and wasn't going to be able to vault. So she didn't even try to do her vault, which was the right thing to do. But well, she did her handspring front and she tried to even pike it. But then luckily, because she's smart and has air awareness, she just went into like, I'm giving birth squatty position, a la Igor. Um, I'm going to do Red Divilov. I'm going to do a triple, your tank triple front. So <laughs> but she just handspring. sat it down. Right. So she just landed she her butt trying, very safely. It wasn't scary. She did not scary. try to do her half twist. Right. Thank God. Yeah. Um, and then we had back to the Alabama meet, Alabama and Georgia. We had Rachel Dixon do a super dangerous looking Yurchenko full. And she was fine. And I did not think she was going to be fine when I saw that vault because she landed it exactly sideways. And that could get nasty pretty easily. She was fine. But then in Kupetz's interview, we learned that her steps were off. And she tried to vault anyway instead of running through. So my question to you, Jessica, is... Ah. <laughs> right? I was like, I mean, Dixon, honestly, like what you were saying about um, how it's lucky lucky, lucky that the Alabama gymnast didn't wasn't standing up more when she landed because that's how she wasn't injured because she was so short. Same thing with Rachel Dixon. Like if she had been... A, a more vertical she would have broken her legs in half i mean it was i screamed when i saw her landing and she was completely fine because she just folded on her hip but it looked like her legs folded in half because she landed completely sideways which by the way used to be a way that you could land vaults and they stopped that because people like to keep the ligaments that hold their bones together in their knees so um that was terrifying but also like i just think it's maybe it's one of those things where you just you're just like i have to my team uh college uh but i mean i'm one of those gymnasts who was constantly blocking it was a complete head case so i have no problem running to the side over and over and over so yeah thank god the coupettes was just like just stop safety first like can you also coupettes carter please run for fig president after that because those are the kind of rules that we need oh Yes. So fortunately, not everyone found vault impossible. So two teams, Michigan and Oklahoma, who are now tied for the highest score recorded in NCAA so far this year with a 197.55. Michigan's, did you see Michigan's vaults? Because they were fantastic. The last three, Yurchenko one and a halfs in their lineup from Sydney Townsend, who was the freshman from Canada, and Emma McLean and Olivia Karras. They nailed those vaults. If they keep vaulting like that, 
is going to be a real Michigan year. And then Oklahoma shows up and is like, oh, we're just casually Oklahoma, small fry Michigan, and Brandon Dowell sticks a perfect Yurchenko one and a half. Okay, why why is Michigan always so good at vault and tumbling? Like, is they have like what's considered to be along with Georgia, and maybe LSU now too. I'd say those th- are the best training facilities maybe in the world, if not just in college gymnastics in gymnastics in the world. Um, and I always wonder like, is it because their training facility is so amazing and they have like seventeen different landing surfaces and training, or is it the coaching that's so great? But like. Michigan can always tumble and they can always vault. Yeah, they always can. And it's interesting that they they have gone through, you know, many coaches, multiple. I mean, Bev has been there forever, but all of the um, assistant coaches. coaches, the event coaches have been. Well, I guess Scott Sherman has been there forever. I feel I guess it's just Scott Vettier who's new this year, but um or maybe it's yeah, the recruiting, so. like they recruit that kind of gymnast. But I'm always so impressed. Like every time I watch them on floor, like, I'm just like, yep, they're good. Except for, of course, last week when we discussed how I was covering my eyes for the third pass. But uh, very impressed <laughs> with them. I just want to acknowledge, shout out, Michigan. Yes. So another person who always deserves a shout out <laughs> is our dear Suzanne Yachlin. So Georgia had a very strange weekend. Because that first meet against Alabama was a disaster. And it wasn't a disaster where we thought it was going to be on vault and bars. It didn't turn a disaster until floor and beam. Very sadly, Gigi Marino uh, on floor injured, got injured. And we learned afterward that it's an Achilles injury, which Georgia could not afford because they're already super depleted and everyone's injured. And they barely have enough people to fill out the lineups which was a problem. They they recovered on Monday at home for a 196.6, and they hit all of their five people going out from every event. But um, after that poor opening performance, Suzanne took to social media, as she is wont to do. Can you, like, can you imagine Sarah and Suzanne if like Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter had existed then? Oh, she used God. to go on the message boards. I know. She used to go on the message boards. Like if, if she had had the opportunity to do mm-hmm. Facebook then it would have been insane. I, I'm her, I feel like wait, I forgot Jersey, her, Jersey, Jersey page. page, Jersey page. Yes. Was her screen name Cause she's from New Jersey and her middle name is page. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised I love that she would go on. I am surprised she's not doing her own Facebook lives after this, honestly, to yeah. just be like, here's my take. I feel like she should live tweet the meets. Oh, my God. It would be amazing. As the volunteer assistant coach and just be like, this person's garbage. She was actually, when she did the SEC coverage um, as a commentator, I actually really enjoyed her I commentary. She was really good. She was really yeah. good. Yeah. I, I liked her. Me too. As a commentator. And she was insightful and like the right amount of, you know, honest. She was not, you know, going to hold yeah. back to Suzanne. She right. was going to be like, she was recruited to get nine nines and she's not getting nine nines and she needs to get nine nines. And it's like, yeah, there you go. But Suzanne did take to Facebook with some choice comments about the state of the team when she and Courtney took over. So I'm going to read Suzanne on Facebook a little bit. She said, Courtney was handed a physically and mentally injured team with no 
depth. When she took the job, she had two seniors who had been kicked off, four seniors in total who, who did seven routines, a junior who had a destroyed ankle, and two freshmen who just had season-ending injuries before coming to Georgia. She goes on to say, on top of that, the girls were struggling in school and had little confidence. I am very proud to say they got a 3.38 GPA this fall and dedicated blah, blah, blah. So um, how do you feel about that? Because I'm in heaven. But oh Suzanne's not exactly being charitable when it comes to Dana no. and the state of the team when she took over, nope. I would say. Nope. I would love for Tabitha in, to, to make a statement about this, about Stanford. That's what I'm waiting for. Because I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, Evie's getting all the scores she should have, and she's leading the all-around. And, uh, wow, looks what happens when you uh, get rid of a coach who's uh, allegedly abusive to the athletes. Um, not that Evie wasn't deserving and amazing all the time. She just wasn't getting the scores. But anyway, I'm just saying. Uh, throw it out there, Tabby, if you'd like to. Um, tell us what's going on. How <laughs> you really feel about the situation. And also tell us what's going on on bars. Right. Stanford would be great this year, but they have literally two bars routines. Yes. Oh, Stanford. <laughs> um, this is the greatest thing ever. This is what we always loved about Suzanne. Is yeah. She gives zero about anything and just tells you exactly how she sees it and this is why i feel like she gets so much crap but like i feel like she's totally gonna tell you her honest opinion and bloop there it is and clearly she thinks that dana was a terrible 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 horrible coach um and that's why she zoomed in and saved the day so that's yep. that. Also, did we find out if Gigi Moreno, was it her landing where she tore her Achilles like Orozco did back in the day, or was it the takeoff? I don't know. Her landing did, was not, did not look good. It looked like an ankle cruncher. So I would say my impression is that it's the landing. Yeah, her landing was one of those where I was like, oh, her foot is touching her shin. That looks bad. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is the worst kind of Achilles tear. Not that there's a good kind, but I feel like that kind is way worse because then you've you've crunched, like everything is smushed in the front of your ankle and you don't have Achilles. So pff, oh, that sucks. Anyway, so in the Life is Unfair section of the show, we must discuss... <laughs> this is... <laughs> That's what I have to say about this. So Lauren Rice... The she's at Sac State. Uh, she is performance queen, sister of Taylor Rice. She, are you ready for this, you guys? Brace yourselves. If if yourselves, if you're sitting in a chair that has arms, grab them firmly and prepare yourself for what I'm about to tell you. She did a man wipe in her beam routine. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. It's and she didn't just do a little man wipe like <laughs> like as a rice does. <laughs> she, she committed. Committed. She performed a man wipe. Like all of men's gymnastics should watch her beam routine to see how a man wipe is done. That's how beautiful it was. There was a message, there was a storyline, there was an orchestra. <laughs> it was all there. Oh, my God. Now, the worst thing in the Life is Unfair department is that she injured her ankle on floor. <sighs> yeah, she did the man wipe and then went to the next event and got injured. Which is like, that's not fair. After you do something so wonderful as a man, like a man wipe, and then to not get any credit for it and even get injured is unacceptable. Um, also, she's doing the elder, elbow drop mount, right? 
Yeah, the one that um, when we talked to Taylor Rice and we talked about that's the one she used to do, remember? Yeah. And then she didn't stop doing it on Beam. Well, Lauren is doing that, too. And it's super cool. It's a press handstand and then you drop to your elbows on the beam. Right. And the thing about that is like insane, by the way, but great. Very hard to balance on your forearms on a beam because you have nowhere to put forward and backwards pressure because you don't have digits on your forearm. So it's crazy. That skill's crazy and should be rated like at least a C mount for that because it's so hard. Take note, whoever's in charge of J.O. And I think it should be submitted. Have you submitted this? Is it already in the code? I'm gonna have to look it up. Lauren, well, she's doing it, and her she's doing it in her routine. What so. is it valued as? I have to look it up. Anyway, I mean, it should be named Rice, or I can't have anything else. But I mean, maybe it's already named after someone. I'm very excited about this, and I don't even know if it's a skill or not yet. Anyway, who? <laughs> let's discuss the most important part of the show that I look forward to every year: the NCAA. Finally, there's been enough meets for us to have crack or correct. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of questionable crackiness this week. I want to – we'll go through the controversial routines, starting with Emma McLean for Michigan, who got a 9.975 on floor, so a 10 from one judge, a 9.95 from another. Jessica, crack or correct with this routine? I mean, like, here's <laughs> – I think I can hear the answer in your sigh. Right. I'm going to say crack. And, and with all due respect to her, because it was a very well-executed routine, it was – just fine it was right. fine. we're differentiating between like tens and nine nines and things these are all great routines right but what uh, we have to do is differentiate between great routines welcome to the entire point of the sport right exactly so this would be fine for like a nine eight i would be okay nine seven five because she had flex feet on her double pike she heard there was no dancing in the routine it was just posing so this like it could have been like a level five doing their routine like honestly and i'm not that's i'm not trying to put her down i'm just saying like this wasn't a performance it was just hit a pose and i know that sounded really mean but it is i mean if you want to be great you have to dance and you have to get a real choreographer. It was too easy. And like, so this was, you know, this was just okay. That's what it was. Um, this will never get that score when she competes against the Oklahomas and the Maggie Nichols and the LSUs. And, the, you know, even if the LFE, LSUs have some like boring, cheerish choreography, they perform the hell out of it. So that's that's the thing. You just can't you can't get away with like such an easy routine and then not dancing at all. Like there should be a no cardio deduction. Like your heart rate <laughs> didn't go up enough because you didn't actually dance. So it's very cute. And I enjoyed her little booty wiggles were, you know, cute, but no. Yeah, I think it's the kind of it's the kind of routine that does very well at avoiding the things that are typically deducted in NCAA floor routines. So her foot stays down on her controlled steps out of her tumbling passes. She, you know, rotates her dance elements. Her chest is fairly well up. But my feeling is also that if that's if you're giving that a 10, you have to give like 20 tens on floor a weekend because we see 20 routines at that level. Right. Every weekend. It's so, way too high. Which is too many tens. So the standard has to get harsher. Amen. Which is why I feel like we need to do that like we have on vault from a start value perspective. Make it a little harder to get a 10 start. Just a little harder. Make these routines 995s. Then you can get, have, give yourself room to differentiate. Yeah. Next thing I want to talk about is the quad meet, the Elevate the Stage quad meet in Reno, Nevada with UCLA, Utah, Stanford, and Washington. 
there was some controversy about Beam. Oh my god, like, what are they ha- doing? I was like, I, what are you doing? I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe it? Why? Because there are different ways you could not believe this. I couldn't believe Utah didn't have it together with their connections. Or were they just, like, grandstanding? Or the, I don't know. I just... How do you not get have the code together? I have a lot of questions about Utah's beam. I will say, beam at this meet for every team was scored much stricter than any other event was, um, and that beam gets scored normally. So the high score of the whole meet was 985 from Elizabeth Price. And with these teams, these are teams are accustomed to getting 99s on beam. I was really happy with the scoring. Uh, from one one judge in particular, I wonder if she had been judging like J.O. all day and then like d- took a second to switch over the brain to faking and not taking deductions anymore because she was like J.O. judging. And it re- the av- the uh, ratio, which the is much ranges, harsher than NCA yeah. judging. Yeah, the ranges were out of control. Like what was it? Um, Felicia Hano did exhibition for UCLA and she had a crazy range. Uh, and her routine between the two judges. And there were a lot of things like that. But for Utah, the sh- the Shannon McDat routine, I don't understand. Because it doesn't start from a 10. It right. shouldn't Th- start from a 10. That's what I mean. And like, how do you not have, how do you not know the rules and have the right value elements in the routine? Like, it's, uh, this is not, Utah doesn't do this. Like, I was I, shocked. I mean, this is, yeah, I am very surprised by that from Utah, especially because it's not like they're forced to put up a routine that maybe doesn't have a tennis start like Georgia is so depleted that they, if they had like a 9-9 start on bars, they'd be putting it up to have a 6-13. Utah has other people. I don't really get that one. It's also one of the things that I like about the change in the beam rules with the aerial to back handspring is that it's forcing people to add in more difficulty elsewhere, those who are doing it. And what they've tried to do is add it in through connections. And every connection you try to get in your beam routine is just another opportunity for you not to get it and not to get your 10-0 start. And I think the judges should start being a little stricter in their evaluation of, are you really connecting that? Or are you make, like eating a salad in between the two elements? And if you are... <laughs> You don't get credit for it. And that's the thing. Like, I appreciate that kind of judging. You know how I feel about fake connections. Like, I I totally appreciate that. But, like, if you – I mean, having – like, what I think about with this with Utah and why I was so shocked – and, like, maybe – we don't know the whole story. Like, maybe the gymnasts were, like, they – I don't know. They they forgot. They had like a brain fart, or they changed something. They couldn't remember. Like, something stuff happens. But, um, but like having coached like a really low level gymnast and having to be like, and I don't want to say low level. I want to say beginners who were having the opportunity to do gymnastics for the very first time in high school. Like we had to be incredibly um, inventive with our connections, and and look at like the D two and D three teams who are also great. But they, there are connections you can come up with that mm-hmm. aren't difficult, but you will get your value. So you make sure you get your, you start from a 10. I mean, that's the thing. Like, sometimes you have to just do what you have to do. And maybe your routine's a little longer, but you got to get it in there. Like, there are things you could do. I just couldn't believe this happened to Utah. Yeah, they got a lot of 99 start values. Um, but I think it's a good, you know, that one judge, I hope, started a trend. Because... Yes. We have a lot of people doing like beat jump, breath, split jump or something. Yeah. That actually wouldn't get any connection, but you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Salad. So, beat jump, yeah, eat a beat salad, salad, do something. 
Danelle Pedrick, Canadian, elite. (laughs) I'm moving on to Danelle Pedrick. Go on, go on, go on. I'm still laughing about that. She's at Central Michigan. She is the one who no one knew she had a Yurchenko double fall. And then late last season, she just busted it out. And everyone was like, Yurchenko double fall. So she has continued to do that in her sophomore year at Central Michigan. And she stuck a Yurchenko double fall and got a 9.875 for this. What do we think about this score? Because my first impression is if that were, you know, and not anyone in particular, but if that were Ashley Nat or that were Michaela Skinner or someone else, who is, you know, known doing a Yurchenko double fold, that would have been at least 995, if not 10. Right. So this is my problem with uh, NCAA scoring. I have no problem with the gymnasts. The gymnasts are doing their absolute best. No one goes out there and says, watch me get away with bending my legs because I love ugly gymnastics. I just want to be very like clear. I would say that. All right. <laughs> you would. like you get away with <laughs> That's that's what the coaches are thinking. Like, we can totally get away with this. Right. This ugly back handspring. And I like to give the human beings doing the actual athletic thing the benefit of the doubt. So I just want to make it clear, like, you know, like we make a point on the show of saying this is not about the individual human being, unless we specifically say that, Steve Penny. But this is about um, the, you know, about the gymnastics and the judging. So um, one of the things that we talked about for... uh, Ashley Nat's entire career was her almost getting a 10 with a double full that had bent legs every single year, like clearly bent knees. Um, and so the the thing about her vault is, yeah, absolutely. If she was on a big name team and or she had a name, she would have scored higher, uh, period. Like, I absolutely think so. Based on previous uh, how judging has been on double switching your chenkos in the past, because um, she had the exact same form issues. Same form issues. It was not as far as an Ashley Nat double or a Skinner, uh, your tangled of a full. I will say that, but um, it still, I think, should have had a, a higher. If that's the way that's going to be judged, the score should have been higher. So I agree with you. So crack, but for the wrong reasons, oh, crack. crack. <laughs> wrong reasons <laughs> of crack. Um, the other, the one other judging thing to mention was another judge soulmate of mine uh in addition to the beam judge at the quad meet was judge number one on bars and beam at florida who as we've discussed on the show in the past scores at florida don't tend to be the most conservative in the world they tend to get a little high uh judge number one on bars and beam was not having that she was just like nine seven nine seven and i was in love with it but what it did was create a huge separation between her scores and judge number two on bars and beam, which is a different person on each event. Um, but on bars, like judge number one gave LSU a 48.95 and gave judge number two gave LSU a 49.4. And it was the same thing with Florida. So it was consistent between the teams, but that's not the main goal. Or that's not the only goal. Uh, Florida, judge number one. One gave them on bars a 48.9, and judge number two gave them a 49.35. So huge, almost half-point differences between the two judges, and we shouldn't be that separate. That tells you that the code is not being specific enough in its instructions to the judges to tell them the, uh, the eye that they should be viewing these routines with. Because you could justify both those scores depending on, oh, well, we take this and we don't take this, or we take this and this and this. You can justify any score. It's just about the standard we're using, which needs to be like everyone needs to get be on more on the same page. Right. 
exactly because it's like if you're if you judge the same way for everyone like judge uh one was judging really harsh for everybody but judged the same way harshly for everyone which is fine but when it comes but down to the end of the season, you got to be yeah. in range. You're not obviously not taking. Yeah, right. You have to you can't do this when you get to the end of season and you're trying to compare team to team because that's not you can't you can't have this now because teams are ranked and all the scores are compared to each other and they all matter. So this defense of you have to be consistent if as long as you're consistent within the meet, it's not good enough. And I know it's never going to be perfect, but there needs to be, you know, the judging group, the judging organization puts out videos and they'll say like this vault and the acceptable right. range for this is a 9.7 to a 9.85 or something, which is, first of all, not what actually happens. It ends up being like a 9.95. And also you're, you're providing too much leeway because if you say that's if you're already giving a range, like what I want the judging organization to do is say, here's a video of a vault. We as a group are giving this a 985. We're deducting for this, this, and this, and we're not deducting for this, this, and this. You will still get a range because human beings are human beings and they're sitting at different angles and they're seeing different things and that's fine. But by being more specific in the first place, you less you shrink the range and you get people more on the same page right and we'll, we'll you talk about like we've talked about in the past how judges are supposed to have like the pre-meet meeting and have their education throughout the season where like videos are sent and they're supposed to go through it and they're supposed to do a little quiz to make sure they're all on the same page and everyone's up to speed on what's going on and how often that doesn't happen or the meeting doesn't happen or people aren't actually doing their in-between meet education videos stuff so yeah and that's why we need robot judges. So, what is getting the Gymcastic Seal of Approval this week? I am giving the Gymcastic Seal of Approval to Kaja Hislop for North Carolina, who got a 995 on floor. She's another who received a 10 from one of the judges. Her final score ended up being a 995. I wanted to mention this routine because it is a good example of how you don't have to be bouncing around smiling NCAA cliche to perform a crowd-pleasing NCAA routine. She, everything is so confident and purposeful and crisp and her leaps are beautiful. And she is so like, it's such a composed performance that draws you in even without being like, I'm in the club choreography. And it's so well executed and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to look at what, you know, usually I'm keeping a tally, like, oh, she just did a double back, she did da 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 like, what's it? And I forgot all of that. I was totally drawn in. And that's what you want to happen. I was just like, oh, this is beautiful. This is lovely. She's going out there and enjoying it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean. Arizona State, I also want to give a mention to for getting Arizona State's highest team score since 2007, Jessica. The darkness is officially the curse. The curse has been lifted. <laughs> R- Renee has been exorcised. From the <laughs> oh, that's mean. Um, they Not got a one six four seven five. So good job, Arizona State. Still on ten watch. Elizabeth Price last Monday. She was competing while we recorded last Monday. She got a ten on bars at Stanford's first meet of the season. That remains the sole full ten in NCAA so far this season. But as I mentioned with Kaja Hislop, we have seen 10s from individual judges. McLean, like we talked about, Skinner on floor got a 10 from one judge. So 
they're sprinkling him in, but EB is still the only one who has received a 10 from both. Um, and also, Pac-12 Network, you, uh, uh, she better be the gymnast of the week or this week because she wasn't last week even though she got a 10 so i don't know what the problem is but like if someone gets a 10 and no one else in the country has gotten a 10 yet then that person you should highlight in your division as the best person so i didn't see what came out today but i was very disappointed that she wasn't the number one gymnast of the week so um one more thing before uh we get out of here today very important. If you have feedback, email us, gymcastic at gmail.com. And I don't know if you heard, but Allie Raisman, who obviously should be president, she has partnered with KidSafe and um, we'll be working with them to educate kids about warning signs of predators. Um, and we have an Allie t shirt. You know how she partnered with that company called Life is Good? Um, and she has, a, they have sort of an outline t shirt with her. There's like three different t shirts. So one of our listeners sent us and ordered because she read Allie's book and was so impressed with her and just wanted to do something to help other people show how much they love Allie and what a great champion and leader she has become. Um, she sent us one of these shirts to give away to any of our listeners. So the way that you can win this shirt, it's a size medium. It's beautiful. Um, just be the first person to tweet at us at Jim Castic hashtag Allie for president. Good luck. Uh, if you want to uh, know what's happening in the gymnastics world, check out the balance beam situation. He has, Spencer's got the previews, what's coming up, live blogs, all the links. Like, NCA season, this is the jam. And <laughs> this is when I come alive. This is when this is when Spencer is at his most Spencerness. It's like he's Spencering <laughs> all the time, but this is like shiny, like at the tier what is it called when you're like uh you're at the apex of the human you know, you've reached your whatever. I'm at the apex of humanity? Yes. I think it's just called Tuesday. <laughs> So anyway, it'll also make you laugh hysterically every week. So thebalancebeamsituation.com. And uh, if you want to know how to support us, please check out our sponsors, of course, HelloFresh um, and uh, Simple Contacts. And if you want to know how to support us very specifically, you can check out gymcastic.com and go to the store and buy any of our goodies. Um, or you can join Club Gym Nerd and get personalized treatment, uh, a couple little downloads and things that you get for joining. And then if you want to join at a higher level, you can even go all the way top and um, commission your very own episode. And we actually might have to shut down the commission soon because we have a backlog and we can only do so many in a year. So if you want to commission an entire episode from us, like get on that and do it right away because, uh, yeah, we might have to like put a, put a limit on those because we've gotten a lot. They're very popular because they're awesome. You are beautiful. You are lovely. Go out there and enjoy this. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week.